It's another one of the 365 days, that is. This is Eagles 365 here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. And you got the Mac and Mac guys here to talk Birds football for the next couple hours. That would be my partner, John McMullen, along with me, Jody McDonald. How are you this morning, J-Mac? Doing well, Jody. Excited. Got a little practice to go to. Well, something of uh, something like practice, whatever they're doing down there. Yeah, how would you describe it? It's kind of a football gathering. It's yeah. a couple That's drills, a, a lot of stretching, calisthenics. I like that word. It's a football gathering. We're going to get together and be on the same field together. So it's a gathering. That's a good thing that you're gathering with the birds this morning. And it'll be a gathering that will include Ryan Kerrigan, who had his first media availability yesterday. And he talked about how he became a Philadelphia Eagle, that they really recruited him. They went after him. The guys on the team reached out, told him this is a good place to be. We're going to be a better team. Don't worry about the fact that you used to be a rival. They'll love you here in Philadelphia. The coaching staff sold him on their philosophy and the way they see him fitting in for them going forward. Uh, good for the Eagles. You know that I talked Ryan Kerrigan yeah. up for yeah. a month, month and a half prior to his actually putting his name on a piece of paper for the Eagles. I got him for a reasonable price, and I think this guy has checked all the right boxes since he's become a bird. Yeah, well, I don't think anybody had any question about that. Anybody who's ever met Ryan Kerrigan knows he's going to be a culture fit, so to speak, knows he's going to be a good teammate, knows he's going to be a mentor. So all of that is good. I, by the way, I think he could still play. I think all of that is good. The other stuff, you know, that's kind of like football speak at this time of year. Not to say the Eagles didn't want him. They wanted him. I mean, it's a good player, but you know, if you would have told me when we were talking about it before, well, they're going to get him for a, a $1.36 million cap number. I would have said two things. I would have said, you're nuts, number one. And number two, why would Ryan Kerrigan take that? The answer to number two is he had to take it. That's, I, I mean, unfortunately, that's where we are in the, in the environment, COVID partially, the fact that 30 is a dirty word in this league often, and he's going to be 33 by the time September rolls around. So the Eagles were able to get a bargain. Why not take it, man? This one fell in their lap, Jody. So more of a recruitment. And, and when it got down to the nitty-gritty, yeah, guys are calling him saying, come up, you know, sign with us, sign the prove-it deal here. Yeah, all of that is true, but – you know, if somebody came in with a $7 million check, that recruitment wouldn't have meant a hill of beans is what I'm trying to say. We certainly understand that and agree with you. None of us really know exactly how his negotiations went with all the teams across the National Football League. And I think it's fair to guesstimate that if someone had put a two-year number with double what the Eagles guaranteed on the table, he probably would have taken it. But you never know. And maybe there was an offer that was actually – more than the Eagle offer, maybe recruitment played into it, maybe location played into it. We're only up skipping a jump out of the beltway up here, and he may have wanted to stay on an e with an East Coast team on the East Coast of the country. You don't know. But they did get the job done for the deal that they got the job done, the numbers, and I think that's a really nice addition. We're still waiting for the Eagles to get that quote-unquote other cornerback 
who probably can step right into a yeah. starting spot in the lineup, but that hasn't happened yet. So if you can't get what you want, probably a corner over a pass rusher, if you're putting him in order of priority, well, then you get what you need. And the Eagles needed it. Yeah, a Stones reference. I like it. Uh, it was, it was, I when like I it. can, I work the Stones in or Eddie. Uh, all-time great rock and roll group if i can um but i i think it's a uh fitting use of the phrase here because the eagles needed a pass rushing upgrade in my estimation this team is not that great at that and when hearing from jonathan gannon last week he told us they will build their defense to fit the talent that they have well if that's your mindset that's great i think it's the way teams should be built but you like to have options. You like to be able to uh, throw yeah. different things at the other opposition. And if you got a guy who can come off the edge and cause a little havoc in the background, it's only going to make your job easier. Yeah, uh, I agree wholeheartedly. On the field, I, I don't think, you know, I think your need conversation is all sort of dependent on, on you know, you're grading it on a scale, so to speak. They had far greater needs than an edge rusher, but this is what fell into their lap. And by the way, you're right. Last year, you got to talk about Will Parks. Will Parks got offered more money by Detroit and Minnesota. And he decided to sign in Philadelphia for a number of reasons. One, he's from Philadelphia. He wanted to be here. It obviously didn't work out. So it does happen. But you're talking about, you know, 1.5 versus 2, you know, something like that. Maybe somebody will. So, you know, Cincinnati might have offered Ryan Kerrigan a little bit more money. But, again, if you're up in the seven, eight million range, no, he's going to go play for the Bengals. you got to be honest about that. But um, I, I far bigger need to me remains cornerback. I think, John, you know, I wrote about that on Philly Voice, Jody, yesterday. I think Jonathan Gannon's the only one who says, oh, I'm fine with it. He's not fine with it. We all know he's not fine with it. But you gotta you gotta play the the hand that you're dealt, so to speak. And right now, he's got a Bonte Maddox and Zach McPherson and Mike Jaquette and a cast of thousands, and he's got to roll with them until Howie Roseman gets him something else. Ultimately, I think he's going to get him something else sometime post June first. Might be closer to training camp. Might be in August. But they're going to get another cornerback. I just can't tell you who that is. I'm sure Jonathan Gannon would have said, oh, I'm fine with our defensive line and our yeah. edge pressure until, uh, up until they signed Ryan Kerrigan. Well, and he signed Ryan Kerrigan, guess what? It just got better, and it got easier, your job, for the upcoming season. So you'll always take upgrades coming from outside at any time, specifically at this time uh, during this season. Uh, they got it on the pass rush, and will they get it? on the cover end. It's a story that we'll continue to keep an eye on for you here in Birds 365. Uh, intriguing that you mentioned the name Will Parks, because I was going to ask you a question today, so I'll do so right now here early in the show. Um, after watching the Eagles, yeah, I'll use the word disastrous, for 11-1 season last year, a lot of things went wrong, and we've been bringing it down here since we started Birds 365. The Birds have been doing it since last, what, uh, October, when things started to go in the wrong direction for them. 
uh, and watching the Eagles week in and week out, you try and get a grasp on what's going wrong, what their needs are, what they need to improve, what's going to change in the future going on when you have a season go by the board like last one did. And there's a guy on the birds who I could never get a grasp on. I, I had my opinions on every player at every single position. And one guy who every time after watching an Eagle game, I said to myself, well, did he do his job? Did he not do his job? I don't remember him standing out as a guy who was helping the Eagles lose on an all too often basis, but I don't remember him being a guy making outstanding plays that, well, that kept him in the game or that helped him win the game, the few that they had. And he played a bunch for the Eagles last year and he was unremarkable, both good and bad. And that's not really good. If you say that, it means probably more bad than good. But I want to get your take on him. Marcus Epps was a guy who did uh, fill in, mostly because of Will Parks and his injury issues and the like. He was supposed to be a backup and a uh, depth guy for the Eagles last year. But because of issues and injuries and the like, he actually played a whole lot of snaps for them and... At the end of the game, you think back, you look at who did what, and you check the stats and the like. He got his fair share of tackles, not an outrageous number. Safety position is a position where you can get tackles. Uh, didn't come up with any major picks or uh, great pass defenses that I remembered off the top of my head. Wow, he really uh, shut down that drive with that play. I, I came away at the end of the year not knowing whether I thought Marcus Epps was a good contributor, a key contributor a non-contributor for the Eagles. He's still very much in their safety mix. What was your 2020 impression of Marcus Epps? Um, <laughs> yeah, I think you described it pretty well. He's kind of just a guy. Um, look, he's, he, he's very instinctive. The reason they brought him in, he's a, I think he was a six-round pick. So understand he was a late-round pick. And obviously, um, the Eagles under Jim Swartz played a lot of single high safety. And that's what he is good at. Very instinctive player. Uh, very good in coverage. Not the best athlete in the world. But the old uh, high football IQ, I would say, is the best to describe Marcus Epps. Uh, and as you get him closer to the line of scrimmage, it's probably more of a liability uh, if he's got to use his athleticism, probably more of a liability. So it's more of a coverage guy. And I think in a lot of ways, he's a better fit for this coaching staff, which projects to play a lot of cover two, cover three. And that makes sense because who drafted him? Mike Zimmer in Minnesota. They right. drafted him uh, to play uh, sort of the position out there, which would have been Anthony Harris, who was also here because of his relationship with Jonathan Gannon. Uh, in, in, in prior history. So, um, look, this team, and it's evident by the fact that they hired John, John Gannon, has a lot of respect for the way Mike Zimmer plays defensive football. They should. He, he's one of the best defensive coordinators in this league. You and I have talked about him as a head coach. He's got some deficiencies there. I, I think he's a little bit better than you think he is. But nonetheless, they have a lot of respect for him defensive side of the football, and they should. That's why they bring in the guy like Marcus Epps. He does certain things well. Uh, but if you're looking at him to be a full-time starting safety, 
I think you're going to have some issues. You know, they brought him in to be a backup to Rodney McLeod, who was the single high safety. I think he's fine in that position. I think he's solid depth. I think you saw that. If he's forced into action, he can play pretty well. But the more he plays, the more he's going to get exposed. Um, you mentioned Rodney McLeod, who uh, is, when he's healthy, one of the Eagle best tacklers in the secondary, in the back seven, I would say, as a matter of fact. Uh, injuries will cloud when his season is going to kick in for the birds this year. Uh, will Epps be purely a backup guy and a depth guy, or will he be forced, forced uh, to start for as long as necessary before McLeod is ready to go this upcoming year? Well, I, you know, they brought in Anthony Harris. So, you know, you think there's a little redundancy there. I think they're going to want Anthony Harris to play in that single high position. As I, as I mentioned, when they're in that kind of look, when you're cover two, I can see Anthony Harris uh, playing opposite Marcus Epps and, and even cover three type situation. I do, I do believe the Eagles would like to see what Kayvon Wallace has. Um, you know, and he was a rookie last year, rookie fourth round pick. He's more of a natural box safety, Jody. So that to me fits a little bit better. If you think about how Minnesota played, it was Harris and Harrison Smith. Um, Harrison Smith, though, is an all pro level player. So that's one of the best safeties in football. Uh, but you need that type of safety. He was the guy who moved all around. He was the guy that played up in the box, could play cover, could do anything. I don't I don't think I think it's unfair to say Kayvon Wallace could do that, but you want those sort of traits, and I think he's more of that type of player. But yeah, you know, we've talked about the three safety looks. We've talked about, you know, Jacoby Stevens, who they list as a linebacker, but is really going to be a hybrid. Uh he's that type of player too. So they're obviously looking for that more of a box look. I don't think Marcus Epps can give him that consistently. And that's, and again, that's the conclusion I draw. You you would know better than me because uh, you get insights from the coaches and what they're looking for. That's where you scare me with your stance on Greg uh, on. Uh, Mr. Walker well, on the outside. By the way, Eagles... it's not only me. We're going to have Jimmy Kemsky. I I encourage you to ask Jimmy as well. Fair. I will do just that. You know, I'm a fan. Um, but you guys get uh, on the record, off the record quotes from coaches where they can tell you, we would hope to be able to get better out of that position. And then you see if that's the case. If the Eagles are going to do that with a guy like Marcus Epp, it is going to be Wallace who's going to do so. From the time that they drafted him, everyone said, well, he's probably going to be a project coming into the NFL because didn't know if any team would be able to use him in the same way his college team used him. So he's going to have to learn. He's going to have to pick up to the speed of the National Football League. But he is so athletic that when he gets his bearings in the league, he's going to be a very good player, a playmaker type. I, I bought all of that. And it was not a first-round pick. So you can take your time and say, yes, we're going to develop him over time. We're not going to throw him in to the deep end of the pool and expect uh, uh, production from day one. He shows up in camp. When does the earnings start? Is it year two or is year two like year one still a fit slash learning process? If you tell me year three, I'm going to scream out loud because no. he won the seventh round draft pick. They did uh, uh, reach for him at one point fairly early in the draft. Is this the year that the expectations 
get raised with Wallace? And did the expectations change because it's a new coaching staff? The Eagles staff who drafted him where you're last year, used him as much as they thought they could or should. Well, this is a whole new coaching staff that wasn't involved in the selection of the player. How does that fit in the way they look at Kayvon Wallace this year? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a clean slate for everybody with the coaching staff, and that could be good and that could be bad. In other words, they don't have any skin in the game when it comes to a mid-round pick like Kayvon Wallace. I mean, if they don't like him as a player, they could move on from him. That's how it could go in a negative fashion. If they like him as a player, I can tell you most coaching staffs I've always talked to expect the most improvement from year one to year two, which is a big you know, black mark against a player like J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, for instance. Uh, And it's common sense, Jody. If you think about coming into a new work environment for the first time, there's nerves. Not only that, you have all the other stuff. Uh, You have to find a place to live. You're moving in a lot of cases to a different part of the country for the first time as a very young player. There's a lot of unevenness with rookies in this league before you even get to the football part of it. Then you got to learn the football part of it. So everybody expects that big jump in year two when you have that comfort factor. And when you don't get it, and worst case, when there's an actual decline, it's a pretty good indication it's probably not going to work out. Mm-hmm. So I, I would say this is a, a big, big year, big training camp, Big gathering today for Kayvon Wallace. Everything's big. He's got to he's got to prove a lot of things this year. We certainly agree on that. And here's the one thing that comes into play, and we have discussed this before when the Eagles made the decision to move away from Doug Peterson, start a new coaching staff with Nick Sirianni at all. You're right. This coaching staff isn't married to the players that were selected prior to their getting here. But the general manager is. Yeah, he's more Howie news. Roseman's yeah. picks. So if uh, the coach, he's got staff, some power too, Jody. He's got a little some bit, power. and I think he's kind of flexed it this off season. You are uh, dead on point with that one. I'm guessing in the, the coaching staff is saying, not sure what Kayvon can do. He's not quite living up to the fitting that we want. Uh, Howie Roseman says, "Excuse me." Can you guys work with him a little bit more and try to get a little bit more? We hired you to be able to make a football player out of Kayvon Wallace. Yeah, I don't think they'll be discarding. And by the Kayvon. way, Jody, they have a need at that position. So I'm not, not by any stretch of the imagination saying he's in trouble. I'm just saying everybody's got a clean slate. Everybody with a new coaching staff. But you're yeah. right. New coaching staff and new general manager, it's even worse. you got the same general manager. He does have skin in the game. And we'll see how that skin covers this year for the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, uh, clean slate for our next guest, always, whenever he joins us, because we love talking to him. Coming up next here on Birds 365, it's Jimmy Kemsky from phillyvoice.com. Stay with the Mac and Mac guys. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The future waits for no one, so we refuse to wait for it. We're not just pilots and engineers. We are pioneers. Today, battles are waged in nanoseconds. Planes are piloted from the other side of the world. We turn night into day and fly missions in space. The future's not coming. It's already here. This is the future. Join us and be the future. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. Tom McMullen, Jody McDonald, giving you Eagles insight for the next hour and change. Before John McMullen goes down to the Eagle Gathering, he likes my terminology there. We'll see if Jimmy Kemsky does too. Uh, practice, little practice time, and then uh, media availability. So we'll get even more Birds info out there for you today. We're getting info and opinion coming your way. We know McMullen's got a following of his own. They call it the McMullen Mafia. Well, us South Jersey guys stick together as well. Joining me next is part of the Marlton Mafia. My hometown is former hometown. Jimmy Kemsky of phillyboys.com hops on board with us. How are you, JK? Cur- current hometown, too. Current. Currently okay. in Marlton, yes. Why did I Why did I think you uh, skedaddled a couple towns over? My I did skedaddle, and then 20 years later, I came back. So here I am. <laughs> to your roots. So we're going to get into your roots with the Philadelphia Eagles. McMullen told me I basically have to go here first. Are the Eagles coaching staff telling you the same thing they're telling him, that they need to improve in the uh, slot position this year, that Greg Ward, while a nice player, isn't quite good enough, and they think they can be better there? Yeah, I mean, you look at his yards per catch average since he's been with the Eagles here. It's, I think it's under eight. <laughs> it's definitely under 10. Like it's, it's, He's totally non-threatening in terms of like a down-the-field receiver and then also uh, in terms of getting yards after the catch. So, yeah, I think that's a low bar. 
in terms of being able to upgrade that position. I'm actually a little bit surprised that they did. Well, I guess maybe not totally surprised after taking a player like Devontae Smith uh, in the first round. I thought that this draft in particular was just loaded with slot receiver talent, and they had 10 picks uh, heading into that draft. So I was mildly surprised that they didn't uh, you know, take a slot receiver later in the draft. But yeah, I mean, for sure, uh, they can do better at that spot. And there are some options that the Eagles have and some of these younger players, like they could go with maybe a bigger slot in Travis Fulgham. They could go with maybe one of these speed guys. I don't think Hightower is a good fit for the slot, but maybe like a Quez Watkins could uh, slot in there and, and maybe uh, be more of a, a playmaking threat than a guy like Greg Ward. But uh, yeah, I'm on the same page with John and that uh, they can certainly do better there. Yeah, I don't know, Jimmy. Jody thinks I'm lying to him. Oh, for I'm some not reason. lying. I just think you're both wrong. <laughs> okay. I think Greg Ward well, is having a be. bust out year. Be. And that, yes, I will put it on the quarterback and the system last year as to why his average yards per catch was under eight. Well, I would argue that Jimmy and I aren't wrong. Now, this is mainly the old <laughs> coaching staff. So maybe they're wrong, but we're just telling you what the Eagles want to get better at that position. I think that's a fair. Uh, and, and Doesn't I mean think, they can. I, I think they can with a guy named Greg Ward. I think he can be better for them this year at that position and put up better numbers, which included leading the team in touchdown receptions last year in case we're just checking all the stats that Greg <laughs> Ward did or didn't put up last year. But this is a team that hasn't had a 600-yard receiver in two years. I mean, they got to get better. Is that fair to say? Jimmy's doing his series about depth on this team. Would you say this is a deep team at the oh. wide receiver position? Oh, God, no. <laughs> I mean, they barely <laughs> even have starters, really. I mean, yeah. the, the, every, everyone is a projection. Every single one of these yeah. players, even even Devontae Smith, like I think he's going to be really good in the league, but he's a rookie. He's a projection. Jalen Rager hasn't proven anything yet. He's your number two receiver right now, and then – there's the debate over who's going to be this. I will say this for, for Greg Ward. At least he caught the football, yeah. which is more than you Very can good. say for other receivers uh, yeah. in the past few years. But, yeah, I, I think depth at, at that wide receiver position. I mean, first of all, they don't – again, just the starters alone are question marks, and then you get past those guys, and it gets even dicier. Yeah, yeah. maybe I'm an old-school guy that I look at what guys have actually accomplished. Mm -hmm. And Greg Ward has accomplished something as compared to other guys in the wide receiver room right now. Which lends me to a question about a guy who did accomplish something last year, as short-lived as it was, and that was Travis Fulgham. For about a four- or five-week period, he was easily the best Eagles wide receiver, and he was almost the norm of good starting wide receivers in the National Football League, which Eagles haven't had many of those runs. And then toward the end of the year, he kind of disappeared. Again, do we blame Travis Fulgham? Do we blame Doug Peterson in the offensive play calling? Do we put it on the quarterbacks? Because that would include both Carson Wentz and the current quarterback, Jalen Hurts. Where did Fulgham come from? And then where did he go to, Jimmy Kemsky? Yeah, I mean, the first part of that question, I mean, he was a late addition to training camp. And I thought he actually played pretty well during the back stretch of training camp. Let's go. This guy's going to stick at least on the practice squad. And then he did. They called him up. And um, yeah, I mean, he had that five game stretch that you're talking about where I believe he led the NFL in receiving during that specific five game stretch. And uh, and then he kind of disappeared. And, you know, part I don't know if what, what happened in, on his part. My understanding is like he wasn't a great practice player. That's that sort of trickled out a little bit, but I think yeah. even more so there was the asinine decision to 
reinsert Alshon Jeffrey back into the lineup when Fulgham was a young player. Their season was already not going well. Get the young player as many snaps as he can get. Who cares if Alshon Jeffrey's back? Don't put him, don't, don't take away snaps from Travis Fulgham to get Alshon Jeffrey back in the lineup. So I think that affected or sort of stalled uh, Travis Fulgham's uh, progress during the 2020 season. Yeah, it's difficult for coaches. I think, you know, Jimmy, you realize that they tend to default to veteran guys that they're comfortable with. And they do at least understand how to line up correctly, where to be, practice in the right way. Um, And that might have been one of Doug's faults, to be honest. I think that's fair to say. Uh, But the wide receiver position as a whole, you know, you talk the little access we've had to Nick Sirianni talks about, I think you hear this all the time. Everybody's going to play everywhere. X, Z, slot, flex. And, hey, Devontae Smith might be able to do that. But the unintended consequence to that is, well, we'll use Jody's guy, Greg Ward. You want Greg Ward playing outside the numbers? (laughs) Is that that even possible to have guys move around like that, or is that just coach speak in May? It probably varies from player to player, of course. Like, yeah. I think Devontae Smith can play in the slot. He can play the Z position. X is to be determined. Uh, Rager can certainly play the Z. It'll be interesting to see if they give him opportunities in the slot. I think Fulgham showed in that, you know, that that small stretch. He played all over the formation. He played in the slot. He played on the outside. But, yeah, there are certain guys that are, you know, slot guys only and outside guys only. Or they're, you know, um, they're better suited to one position or another. Like we saw Nelson Aguilar struggle on the outside here. And then when they moved him into the slot, he was outstanding. So yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's nice to say that. And it's nice to hope that your receivers can play every position at the wide receiver spot, but that's not always the reality. You have to have, you know, certain player, you have to have really talented players who are able to do that. And they don't have that right now, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, we'll see if they have a couple of guys who step up to become that, but they've got to certainly prove it on the field. All right. Speaking of depth in positions, and that's what Jimmy's uh, last article on Philly boys was uh, about uh, and catching the football, the tight end position. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Zach Ertz still here. I know we're a week before June 1st, and then there's a really good chance for that to uh, change itself. But as of this moment, Zach Ertz is still here. So I don't even know whether to count him as part of the tight end mix for the birds. Uh, Let's assume for today's conversation, he's not. The Eagles have near enough as far as getting through an entire season at tight end in your book, Jimmy K? Well, first to start with the Zach Ertz uh, discussion, I would rank it like this. One, he gets traded for some minimal compensation, like sixth, seventh round or the equivalent. Two, they release him outright. Three, they get decent compensation. We'll call that like a fourth round pick or higher. And then four, finally, that they just keep him. I think that's the least likely scenario. So you're right. Like they don't have much in the way of depth there. Certainly Dallas Goddard is when he's healthy and when he's and when he's on the field, he's a complete tight end. He can catch the football. He can run after the catch. He can block. He can pass protect he's everything, he but he hasn't really broken out yet. So I, while I think he's kind of safely in like the top 10 uh, tight ends in, in the NFL, I think we're kind of expecting more out of him. But then beyond him, they don't have anything. Like It's just a, a lot of guys that are either fringe roster guys or sort of lottery ticket guys like Hakeem Butler or like a Tyree Jackson, who they're, who they're converting from quarterback. So they don't really have much there at all. Uh, Richard Rodgers is still out there. 
I would imagine at some point they might bring him back or, or a similar type of veteran. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a very, uh, not, it's a not very deep position. Um, and we've gotten sort of accustomed to the Eagles having those two tight ends in, in Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. And as of right now, they don't really have that. Uh, well, Jimmy, speaking of your, you did the defense today. You did the offense, I think, yesterday. Yeah. Your depth pieces on phillyboys.com. Uh, did you come down on the line of the lines, the offensive line, defensive line? That's where this yeah. team has some depth. Is that is that fair to say? Oh, for sure. So I would say that uh, at the skill positions, they're not deep. Like a quarterback, running back, they're, they're reasonably deep. A quarterback, wide receiver, tight end, not deep linebacker cornerback safety scary not deep but offensive line defensive line i think they're in good shape obviously the signing of ryan kerrigan gives them um you know a rotate a foursome rotation of uh, graham kerrigan sweat barnett and then at the defensive tackle position you know normally they dumped a lot of money into um you know their their talent there with malik jackson and javon hargrave and fletcher cox and they're still paying cox and hargrave a lot but now they they hadn't drafted actually a, a, a defensive tackle during the Howie, since Howie Roseman's second stint as the general manager. They've only drafted one prior to the season. That was Elijah Qualls, sixth round, 2017. Mm-hmm. They take two in this draft, and Milton Williams in the third round, uh, Marlon uh, Tui Pulotu in the uh, sixth round. So they'll be relying on those guys to, to play immediately. Like if you look at their history of rookies, rookie defensive tackles playing early. They've had some undrafted guys that got playing time as rookies. So those two guys are going to play right away. And then on the offensive line, I think they're really deep. As, as, I mean, there's a lot of ifs with that offensive line, particularly with the starters. If, you know, is, is Lane Johnson's ankle going to hold up this season? Is Brandon Brooks going to be able to recover from his second Achilles tear the way he did on the first one? Jason Kelsey's getting up there in age. Is he going to maintain his level of play? Uh, Isaac Samalo sort of under the radar has been, um, you know, he's been banged up here and there along the line. Jordan Mailata had, you know, two seasons end because of back injury. So we got to see if we can hold up. We got to see who's going to win that competition, first of all, too, between him and Andre Dillard. So, I mean, there are a lot of ifs. And then even on the backup front, like you got um, uh, Landon Dickerson, of course, who has four major injuries <laughs> throughout his college career. He's now <laughs> coming in and potentially playing, a, 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 you know, a, a reasonably important role as that first guy off the bench. You know, and, and there are questions whether Holden be ready for the se- for the start of the season. But it's a good offense. It's a really good starting offensive line. Like there aren't many teams that the Eagles would trade trade places with along their offensive line. And then they have depth and guys like Dickerson and whoever doesn't win the left tackle starting job and Jack Driscoll. And we saw a little bit from Nate Herbig last year. So they do have some guys that, that can kind of fill in and, and a good starting rotation. So, yeah, I'd say the lines, which is where you want to be deep, more so than the other spots, uh, they're in good shape there. But everywhere else, <laughs> you know, not so much. Let me ask you to go a little further on it. Two guys that you just mentioned toward the end there, both who got a chance to step in last year because of the injuries on Eagles offensive line. Everybody's hoping Lane Johnson healthy yeah. stays on the field, plays to a Pro Bowl level. Yes. Uh, Brandon Brooks stays healthy, stays on the field, plays to a Pro Bowl level. Yes. Well, neither one of those things happened last year. Right. If that happens again this year, Driscoll and Herbig mm-hmm. were two guys who I was actually pretty pleased with and surprised that they were able to play to the level that they did. They didn't uh, make you forget Lane Johnson or Brandon Brooks, but they, they did their job and they uh, were competent for guys with as little inexperience as they had in the league. Which one is further along? Which one is more likely 
to step in and kick his game up even or another notch this year if that's necessary. So I think her big ceiling is probably a little bit more limited than a guy like Driscoll. Uh, you know, he just doesn't have the same, doesn't possess the same kind of like athleticism that Jack Driscoll does. So I think he just kind of is what he is. But last year he filled in at, you know, multiple spots along the line, left, left guard, right guard. So he has that, you know, left, right versatility, which is nice. Some guys can't do that. He could. Uh, Jack Driscoll, I thought felt like you said, he, I thought he filled in reasonably well for Lane Johnson, especially for a rookie. He had some injury problems too. Like he came out of a bunch of games, like mid game. So I think that's a concern for him going forward, but he's not, very, he wasn't very. I actually took a deeper look at his season specifically earlier this year, and um, not impressive in the run game. He's not gonna, not gonna blow guys off the line of scrimmage, but in pass protection, which is what you're going to prioritize at that spot anyway. Uh, I thought he did a very good job uh, as a rookie going to get up against some like some premium pass rushing talent too. So uh, yeah, I would say that from a long term perspective, I think that Jack Driscoll is the more appealing player than Herbig, but both guys for the 2021 season specifically. I think they're both um I think that they're both they both proved a little bit last year that they can fill in and be quality depth that should one of those guys go down. Speaking of pass protection, Jimmy, I want to talk to you about left tackle. Yep. And do you get the same kind of blowback that I get when I say Andre Dillard might win this job? I don't give up on Andre Dillard. Um I think people forget if you if you rewind to 2019 there were some serious issues at left tackle, especially with the bull rush, Everson Griffin, yeah. Robert, Robert Quinn, but he was getting better. Where he really fell apart is moving over to right tackle, mm. and I think the team was upset that he didn't fight through that. But nonetheless, <laughs> right. nonetheless, he was he was starting to improve at left tackle. He's a natural left tackle. He's 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 a great natural pass protector. But man, I get killed when I say anything badly by Jordan Mailata, who I love. Yeah. But technique-wise, there's still a lot of issues there. Yeah, Mailata, I, I had so I looked at, like, all the Eagles, excuse me, I looked at all the Eagles sacks during the 2020 season and determined that Mailata gave up more sacks than, than anyone on the team. I think it was eight or nine that he gave up uh, on the season. So, yeah, I mean, he's not a, a star player by, by any stretch, but I think he showed some promise last year and obviously with his size and his athleticism, I think that's what has people excited. As you mentioned with Dillard, even when, even before he moved out to right tackle, like the week, uh, you know, you and I were in the locker room, of course, that, that week leading up to the game where he was going to start at right tackle. He seemed to think like it wasn't going to go well. Yeah. So it was already yeah. sort of a preconceived notion yeah. in his mind that he was not going to play well uh, against the Seahawks that day. And they just basically bulldozed them for the entirety of the first half, they got him out of there. And they, I think it was Matt Pryor Matt that they even put in and, and like you're getting bench from Matt Pryor at right tackle, no less. That's yeah. not good. So he had a few bad games, as you mentioned early in that year at left tackle, particularly against the Vikings when he fa faced, you know, the basically two different kinds of skill sets in Daniel Hunter and uh, Everson Griffin had another bad game against, I believe it was the Cowboys. Cowboys yeah. uh, uh, not Alden Smith, the guy that Robert, the Robert, Ro Quinn, Robert, yeah. Ro yeah, yeah, Robert, Robert Quinn uh, ate him up a little bit. And then he was better against, I believe it was the Bills and the Bears. He still gave up sacks in each of those games, but those games didn't get out of control from the Eagles' perspective. Like the Eagles fell behind early in those Cowboys and Vikings games. So, you know, opposing pass rushers just kind of like pinning their ears back and, and coming at them. So that was a bad situation for him to be in. Uh, they were 
they won each of the Bears and Bills games, so it wasn't like they were playing from behind, and they were able to protect them a little bit better in, in that game. But I did not feel great at all about his rookie season. His athleticism is really appealing, and that's why they took him, obviously, where they did, and that's why they traded up for him. He's got great feet. He's got, you know, just – He's got everything you want from from an athletic standpoint. It's just can he, as you mentioned, can he anchor against bull rushes? And is where's his mentality? Like, is is he going to be able to make it in this city, or is he better off playing in a, a market that's not so, um, you know, kind of in your face? Is is the kind of way I'll put it. So yeah, I mean that'll be obviously Mylotta versus Dillard is going to be the premier, you know obvious best training camp battle that we watch this offseason. One last offensive line question for me, Jimmy. Um, and it's a hypothetical question. And it may never come to fruition, but I love hypothetical questions. Uh, let's say both Mylotta and Dillard have questions in camp that yeah. Ryan Kerrigan is making both look bad from time <laughs> right. to time. In Probably going to happen. Which he will do. Right. <laughs> yes. And first game of the preseason, both of them have some issues with uh, whoever is playing yeah. uh, across the field from them. What's the over-under date on the whispers of the return of future Hall oh, of Famer God, it, left tackle of the <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles with a very good tight relationship with the owner? <laughs> Jason Peters, one more time. Yeah, I mean, this time last year, I thought it was probable that they were going to bring him back just as sort of like um, insurance for Andre Dillard. And then when Brandon Brooks went down, they signed him to be the right guard. We all know the story. Anyway, I think it's very unlikely that they'll bring him back this year. But I wouldn't put it at 0% because I just never trust that they can give up on players that they're familiar with because they on the quote unquote, you know, no new ideas, uh, you know, idea that, that, that they keep bringing yeah. back these guys with which they know whatever. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right that during training camp, there's going to be moments where, you know, my and Dillard are getting smoked by guys like, you know, Brandon Graham and Ryan Kerrigan. So there's going to be some, Oseman. We're some gonna have Joe, to Joe Oseman, Oseman yeah. owns Jordan Mylotta in training yeah. camp. So yeah, I mean, there's going to be some iffy moments for sure. It'll be, I mean, that, that battle is going to be really interesting to watch. Like, Personally, I think my lot is like, even though we mentioned that, you know, I, I, you know, he gave up more sacks than anyone on the team last year. I think he's the, I think he's the, actually the better football player right now than Dillard and maybe even has sort of a higher ceiling because of his size and and his athleticism, whereas Dillard kind of only has the athleticism. But, um, though, I guess the, the, the one thing that, uh, Dillard has going for him is that he's a first round pick and Howie Roseman is not going to want to see him fail horribly on this team. So I think he's going to sort of have that, you know, Howie bump. And as we, as we, uh, you know, learned during Nick Sirianni's uh, initial press conference, he does not have control over the 53 man roster may not even have control over the 46 man roster on game day. So, I mean, it's not going to be really his decision as much. It's going to be Howie's on who makes the team and possibly even who starts. By the way, Jimmy, I don't think he knows right now still. If he has control. <laughs> yeah, right, right. He, he didn't know uh, during his press no, conference he whether know. he was going to set the roster on game he day. Didn't know, which is a pretty good indication he doesn't <laughs> right. have that power. Oh, uh, it's, like, it's almost like, a, oh, I forgot to ask about that during my interview. <laughs> <laughs> but I do, by the way, you bring up a good point. I don't think as many people have talked about that. 
Jordan is 6'8", 350, and he's got back problems. Yes. I mean, that concerns me a yes. little bit. So you got to throw that into the mix as well. But I do want to shift to the defensive side. You talked a little bit about the defensive line, but that back seven, man. Oof. I mean, what do you do? At linebacker, <laughs> I say I say throw Davion Taylor the, the deep end of the pool. At least he's athletic. See if he can play. You agree with that? Yeah, I've I've been meaning to take a look at his season last year. I didn't play what, a lot. He didn't play a lot of snaps, can, yeah. obviously. I know that there was, there's one game where he played a decent number of snaps, and my understanding is that it went pretty badly. Yeah. Um, Sean Bradley's another guy that you could maybe throw in that mix where he play, actually played Sean Bradley played more than Davion Taylor did in the regular defense anyway. So yeah, I mean those those guys and and Jacoby Stevens, those, those three guys drafted you know the last two years. They're all lottery tickets to me, and you don't want your third round pick linebacker to be, uh, you know, to be classified as that. But that's sort of what he is right now. He's a lottery ticket. Like he's not a guy that you can really count on to be a starter now or anytime soon. And you know, maybe he makes a big leap and kind of. I mean, he was a really interesting case, Davion Taylor, obviously because uh, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't allowed to play high school football yeah. because of his religious beliefs. And then in college, he only played like two years at, at the D one level. So um, yeah, I mean, that that's going to be an interesting situation to see if any of those three guys, Stevens, Taylor, or Bradley can emerge, but you look at like the three guys, I think like TJ Edwards is good in his, like, I think he's a quality player in his role as sort of a two down linebacker on, on those rundowns. But, you know, you're not going to have him on the field much in, in those obvious passing situations. Eric Wilson is a guy that they hope will be a competent starter. And then, you know, Alex Singleton racked up a ton of tackles. and was certainly an upgrade over over Nate Gary, but kind of want to see a little more of a library of work for him before, you know, we sort of rubber stamp him as a, as a, as a quality, you know, three down linebacker. But, you know, not a lot of depth there, obviously, yeah. uh, either a linebacker corner or safety. I think they're in big trouble. Uh, I mean, as is just on the starting lineup, but but beyond that, even if a guy if like if a guy goes down, then then they're substantially worse as well. Real quick follow up there: How much have you looked at Eric Wilson? I see a guy who's a twenty point scorer on a bad NBA team. Like he made <laughs> he made some yeah. plays, yeah. But the Vikings defense just fell apart yes. because of injuries and free agent losses. He made plays, but it wasn't good. Yeah, I can I can see that. Um, he gives you in theory what we think the Eagles are going to be looking for in the linebacker position under Jonathan Gannon, you know, disciple of Mike Zimmer, of course they want guys I think who can, you know, rush the passer a little bit, whereas that was not a priority under Jim Schwartz um, who can, uh, you know, obviously play the run and, and being coverage. And you want that from every linebacker, obviously, but uh, you know, he gives you a little, element of each of those things. I don't think he's spectacular at any one of them. And I think you're right. I think he racked up a lot of stats because they had a lot of injuries on that defense and he was just in, in put in a position where he could rack up a lot of stats, but I'm not sold on him as a, as a quality starter either. Let me further John's basketball analogy here um, for another Eagle linebacker, uh, the 20 point a game on the uh, bad NBA. Yes. Uh, let me describe Gennard Avery as a, 20 point in an NBA preseason game <laughs> when he actually got to play in a regular season game instead scored four points. So what do you do? He's a small forward. Let's try him out at guard. Let's change his position <laughs> yeah. and think that's going to get him back to the 20 points that he got in the preseason game. Uh, this guy never flashed on tape for me, at least since he was in an Eagle uniform. 
And again, we're back into the question of who's going to really make the decision on how this guy is used, if he's used. Is it going to be the new coaching staff? Or is it going to be the general manager who traded for him, didn't pick him up off the scrap heap, actually gave up a draft yeah. pick to get him, and the guy's done pretty much nothing since yeah. he became a Philadelphia Eagle. What does the future hold specifically this year, 2021, for Mr. Avery? That is a that is as baffling a trade as Howie Roseman's made in his tenure. And it's not that big a deal because yeah. they gave up a fourth round pick, which it's not, you know, a, I mean, it's a decent pick. Like it's not like it's not a premium pick, but it's a pick you want to have clearly. And they, the timing of the trade is what really gets me. They traded for him at the at the 2019 deadline, which is when it's probably the biggest seller's market as you're going to get in terms of trade compensation. Like that's when you see trades that are highly favoring the team that's trading the player away for a draft pick at the trade deadline. And the the um, the reasoning for the trade that Howie Roseman gave at the end of that season was it wasn't the same as when they made the trade for the for Golden Tate in 2018 and that they needed someone bang immediately to step into the lineup and produce. They traded him because he had for him because he had two years left on his contract, uh, you know, after the end of that season, he was, he was only in the second year of his contract. So they had two full years thereafter, and he was going to be a guy that they develop off during the off season and get him up to speed. And then he can play a role in the defense going forward. Okay. Well, why not trade for him during the off season? But then also the compensation of a fourth round pick didn't make any sense because I think the Browns drafted him in the, in the fifth round, I believe. And he yeah. hadn't done much for them. He was basically inactive most weeks during that season. And you're going to give him a, a, a better pick than what they took him at. <laughs> like it just doesn't make any sense. And you're right, Jody. Like he really hasn't done anything in this op- in in this defense so far. The one thing I will note about him is I do wonder if the Eagles are going to you know play sort of like a, a hybrid uh, show, sort of like a hybrid defensive scheme, like a four three under that sort of has some you know yeah. three four principles in it. <clears throat> and we got some hints of that in that you know they they signed Ryan Kerrigan who could potentially play that kind of Anthony Barr like role. They they um they drafted a guy in Patrick Johnson. You don't want to make too much of a guy they took in the seventh round, but he's a guy that would sort of fit that role. Jannard Avery is a guy that that sort of maybe can uh, fit that role. So when they moved him from defensive end to linebacker, so you know maybe there are some clues in Avery and Johnson and Kerrigan that they are going to play sort of that four three under defense. Yeah, that that to me is a positive, and I think that might be Kerrigan's role. And then you do have the Averys and the Patrick Johnson, yeah. even the Osmans as sort of right. that stand-up rusher. Um, so I think you might be right about that. Now we got a real quick last thing while we have you, Jimmy. We got to talk about the cornerback position. I mean, <laughs> yeah, what what is this team doing? <laughs> Josiah Scott. I mean, he looks like <laughs> physically he's a clone of Babante Matt. <laughs> yeah. Same size, <laughs> same speed, same everything. They could be the same player. But they played outside of Pitt, though, so he's a little bit more comfortable, I think, playing outside the numbers, although you probably didn't see that last year. Yeah. Zach, Zach McPherson, I think, is a slot corner. I, I mean, I think they'll be fine in the slot, but who the heck is going to play opposite Darius Slate? Yeah, I don't think they solved that position yet. I think they're they're probably still going to sign someone to play. To, they'll just slap a band aid on that CB two spot. But it's funny you mentioned uh, Vontae Maddox on the comp for Josiah Scott because um, when you look up, you know, you Google like Josiah Scott, yeah. um, you know, uh, scouting report, you find like Lance Zierlein of NFL Network. You know, he writes a scouting report for yeah. almost every prospect 
leading up to every draft. And his player comp in, I guess, what was he drafted? 2020, Josiah Scott? 2020, yeah. His player comp was Avante Maddox. (laughs) So you're absolutely right. Like he does sort of fit that same, you know, you know, play style and, and, and size and athleticism and all as, as Avante Maddox. And I get it. Like I get it adding a guy like that because you let, uh, Nikel Roby Coleman might be out of the league now. He he was had a disaster season, but, uh, Crave on the Blanc, they haven't brought him back. So they do need more depth at that slot corner spot, but how much depth do you need there when you don't have that outside corner spot fixed yet? So yeah, I don't know why you'd give up a pick for a guy like that. It feels like, you know, backup slot cornerback, is kind of something that you don't have to give up a pick to get, but that's what they did. And uh, yeah, I mean that, that, that cornerback spot, you have Darius Slay, obviously will start at one spot. Avante Maddox was clearly not capable of playing on the outside with his size last year. Uh, Zach McPherson asking him to, you know, play immediately as a rookie is, I mean, if he can do it great, but you can't count on that from a fourth round pick. So we'll see what he can do, whether he plays outside, inside a combination of the two, who knows, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's as troublesome uh, a spot on their roster as as you'll find. And on a roster, that's, you know, not good from top to bottom to begin with. And Jimmy, last thing we've had you for half an hour now, and we talked about uh, the defense and the offense and not once have we mentioned the quarterback, yeah. uh, which doesn't much happen anytime you talk about any NFL team. And certainly not the Philadelphia Eagles are going with a relatively new quarterback. Yeah, he started four games at the end of last year. But Jalen Hurts is going to get a chance to prove he's a yeah. full-time franchise quarterback in the NFL. And John used the term clean slate earlier yes. in the show. He gets a clean slate. New coaching staff gets a clean slate. Maybe the likes of Quez Watkins and... Hightower and a bunch of the wide receivers who didn't quite get that 600 yards net last year all get a clean slate. Are they going to be able to make the most of it? Is the leadership role that we believe that Hurts can have with this team going to work with this new clean slate? Yeah, well, I mean, the big thing that Nick Sirianni just hammered into us uh, all throughout his initial press conferences was that he was adaptable in, in in Indianapolis where they had, you know, Andrew Luck starting one year. The next year they had Jacoby Brissett. The next year they had Phillip Rivers. So three different skill sets from three different kinds of quarterbacks, and they adapted the offense to fit, you know, their strengths. And uh, the challenge for him is going to be able to fit the strengths of Jalen Hurts. And the strengths of Jalen Hurts are his intangibles. I think he's got a great head on his shoulders. I think he's competitive. I think he's going to, you know, give them everything that they want from the off-field, you know, uh, perspective. But on the and on the field, he's outstanding as a runner. Like in my opinion, you have uh, Lamar Jackson, and then after Lamar Jackson, he is the most skilled running quarterback in the NFL. Can he throw the football? He couldn't throw it that, that well in his, in his small sample size in 2020. You look at his 52% completion percentage, which, you know, on paper, you can sort of make the leap and say, okay, he wasn't accurate. And, you know, you can make excuses for that. He threw a lot of balls away. His receivers weren't good, blah, 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 blah. Actually, look at the passes that he threw. Yeah, he missed a lot of makeable passes in the four games that he played. So I think the accuracy issues are very much legit. His arm strength. I don't think it's a positive. I don't think it's a negative. I think it's fine. Uh, but the accurate, the accuracy really is something that has to improve substantially from last year to this year. If he's going to have any chance of holding down this starting job beyond 2021. And there's a reason to believe he can. 
So in college, he was inaccurate, uh, you know, very early in his career, and it got better each year as he went along. So we'll see if he can continue that trend in the pros. But again, that'll be his, that'll be sort of the defining thing on his 2021 season and whether he can lock down that job, you know, going forward. Jimmy, great stuff. We kept a long time. We appreciate you hanging with us, buddy. Uh, maybe I'll see you at the Wawa later. I don't know. Uh, the Malton Mafia reigns here in town. Thanks for coming on with the Mac and Mac guys today. We'll talk to you again soon, big guy. All right, man. Let's get a beer soon in Marlton. Done deal. That is Jimmy Kemsky <laughs> from phillyvoice.com. Chinkies and Pete's. Can't be a mile from my house. We can go over there anytime you want, Kemsky, as long as McMullen's buying. He is John McMullen. I am Jody McDonald. We are the Mac and Mac guys. We got another good guest coming about 20, 25 minutes from now. We're going to punch up Matt Verderam. Uh, I've had Matt on my CBS uh, Sports Radio show a bunch of times. I think he's one of the more uh, insightful NFL columnists he does it these days for fansided.com. Come back. I got a couple other things I want to run by my partner, including Julio Jones rumors. They're just busting out all over the place, and somehow the Eagles are getting uh, Of course. And the Eagles, Jody. And yeah. the Eagles. Don't quite understand that. And we'll uh, talk about that. Aaron Rodgers showing up on SportsCenter last night. Good thing, bad thing. I got a couple of uh, opinions on that. I'll get McMullins as well. Keep it right here on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The future waits for no one, so we refuse to wait for it. We're not just pilots and engineers. We are pioneers. Today, battles are waged in nanoseconds. And planes are piloted from the other side of the world. We turn night into day and fly missions in space. The future's not coming. It's already here. This is the future. Join us and be the future. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, 
grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Got an hour in the books. That means we got an hour left to play on this Tuesday edition of Birds 365 with your Mac and Mac guys. Thank Jimmy Kempsey coming on board, sticking around as long as he did. Matt Verderam of Fan Sided scheduled to join us coming up about 20 minutes from now. And uh, we'll certainly get Matt's perspective. One of the reasons I know John feels the same way I do here. Uh, that we like getting national guys on. We're not going to give you national guys on a day-in, day-out basis, but we do get national guys on, and we'll have Mike Garofolo, Philly guy, who's certainly a national reporter these days for the NFL Network, on tomorrow. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. They get to give you the perspective from a step back. John is on top of it every single day. I'm here in town judging the Eagles from right up close and personal. It's nice to get a different perspective from someone who isn't covering the Eagles on a day-in, day-out basis. Uh, that's what a guy like Matt Verderam should be able to give us coming up about 20 minutes from now. Mike Garofalo, uh will tomorrow. But we do give you the national perspective on the National Football League as well. And a big story the last several days, and it got even bigger yesterday, was Julio Jones and his potential to leave the city of Atlanta. I will be honest, after Birds 365 was over yesterday, I was relaxing on the couch doing some work, and I flipped on Undisputed, the show that's on Fox with Skip, uh, never met a guy he couldn't hate, uh, Ballast, <laughs> and the ex-superstar uh, wide uh, tight end slash Hall of Famer, Shannon Sharp, and they were discussing Julio Jones. And Skip Ellis, a well-known Cowboy fan and devotee, uh, was talking up a blue streak about Julio Jones joining the Cowboys because there was a picture on social media of Julio Jones in a Cowboy sweatshirt. And two plus two equals four, so he's got to be a Dallas Cowboy. Even though the Cowboys already have a $20 million wide receiver uh, on their roster and two other very good young wide receivers. Yeah, let's add another wide receiver. Even though it makes no sense whatsoever, give Skip Ellis a chance to open his fat mouth and he's going to do so. And that's exactly what he did. And Shannon Sharp attempted to shut him up. And he did so in a pretty damn cool way. On the show, on the air at the time, he breaks out his cell phone, goes to his contacts, connects the call. He's got Julio Jones in his cell phone. And yo, Julio, 
And Shannon starts asking him about what's going to happen with him upcoming in his career. What was the deal with the Cowboy jersey? Are you staying in Atlanta? <laughs> I'm out of there. He yeah. said this live on the air. Yeah. And I think he knew he was on the air. But I don't know for sure because he didn't inform him. Hey, Julio, we're on the air at this time. But he just answer, answered the question honestly. So Julio Jones believes he's going to be traded by the Falcons. Probably not to the Cowboys. But I think it's about as likely that he ends up with the Cowboys as he does the Eagles. But if there's a big name out there to be talked about, Howie Roseman is so somehow going to wiggle his way into the conversation. Jason Lacanfora and NFL insider for CBS said, and you can never uh, count out the Eagles when it comes to being involved in a big yeah. trade. I give Howie Roseman credit because he's built up this reputation that has him being mentioned every single time there is a big name on the open market. Give me the percentage chance that Julio Jones is going to end up here in Philadelphia, John McMullen. Five percent. And and by the way, Jody, the reason he's always brought up, and I always joke, every rumor in the NFL ends the same way. And it's dot, 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 and the Eagles. That, that's, that's what happened. And the reason why that happens is because Howie does make the call. He makes the call. So he'll check in. And then you can report it and say Howard Roseman, you know, is interested. The Eagles are interested in Julio Jones, blah, blah, blah. Why wouldn't you be? There should be 31 other teams interested in Julio Jones, even the Dallas Cowboys, even with all their receivers. If everything fit perfectly, which rarely happens. Look at Ryan Kerrigan, much lower, but we opened the show talking about Ryan Kerrigan, much lower profile, even though he's a very good player. It fell into place. The Eagles weren't going to be in the mix at seven, eight million a year. 1.36 million a year. The market's not there. Oh, we're interested. And boom, Ryan Kerrigan and the Eagles. Ryan Kerrigan's an Eagle. Uh, Julio Jones, I mean, they could use an X receiver, Jody. We've been talking about it forever. This is the X receiver in the NFL. This guy's first ballot, Hall of Famer. Unbelievable player. Can you imagine the pieces? We were talking the, with the pieces with Jimmy Kemsky, Devontae Smith at the Z, Jalen Rager in the slot, Julio Jones at the X. That's a playoff team if the quarterback can complete 60% of his passes. Right, but Jalen Rager would have to beat out Greg Ward for the slot. That's just... Yeah. My personal opinion, but that's uh, I, I, I sorry sorry I, to interrupt. I think he'd have a good chance. That that's my opinion. But nonetheless, you know, perfect fit from a football standpoint. Oh, by the way, they have no money. He makes a ton of money. They have less than four million on the salary cap as we stand here. What are you going to trade? You're going to trade Fletcher Cox for him? Does Atlanta want Fletcher Cox? Do you want to make your defense that much worse? So. The only reason I say 5%, it's probably closer to 1, 1.5% because Julio, oh, by the way, Julio said, I want to win. The Eagles, in theory, are not, you talked about the national guys. One reason I like the fact that we're having Matt on, one reason I'd like to get national guys on is because you want to get that perspective. Whether it's right or wrong, whether you like it or don't like it, the national perspective of this team 
which, by the way, is the perspective Julio Jones has, it isn't very good. Man. So for a guy who wants to win, he's not he's not coming to Philadelphia right now. So I put it at 5%. It's probably more realistic. It's probably 2%, 1%. He's not coming here, no. But it's a great player. Let, let me add to your reasons why. I disagree on one of the things you said, but uh, let me add to your reasons <laughs> as to why Julio Jones is not coming here. Um, yes, Julio Jones, if and when he gets traded – will almost definitely be redoing his contract with his new team. Oh, by the way, Julio wants to upgrade his contract, yeah. <laughs> not downgrade his contract, not make less money. He wants more money, which would mean more guarantees. And one of the things that the Eagles had to do this year, just to be able to put forth a quasi-competitive team, as John just noted, most national experts have the Eagles in the bottom five, six at best, seven teams in the National Football League. To do that, after taking the $33 million dead cap in on Carson Wentz, they had to restructure contracts of guys who are already on the roster. And you don't want to do too much of that because then you're just pushing your cap question marks down the road into another year, into another year. We know next year they'll get major relief because Carson Wentz and his dead cap money will be off the books. So it should clear up a lot of the issues. But if you're going to do that with a guy like Julio Jones, bring him in and say, all right, yeah, we'll guarantee you, and then we'll add phony years to the back end. You're only continuing to add to your cap hell going further. And I don't know that the Eagles want to do that in this year where Julio Jones could come in and take them from a seven-win team to a nine-win team, and nine might not be enough to make the playoffs anyway. So what are you really doing? What are you achieving? It's all debatable. Um, so that's one of the big reasons why I don't think Julio Jones is going to come here. Salary cap more than anything else. As you noted, Julio makes a judgment call if he's going to say, no, I don't even want to redo the contract with a team like the Eagles because I don't think the Eagles are going to be good enough. I want to be traded to a team that's going to the playoffs and can win when they get there. So that's going to throw uh, more of a uh, douse on the flame of Julio Jones coming here and the like. And number three, and some people may think this is an overstatement on my part, maybe a little too birds optimistic. I think they want to give some of these young guys a chance. I think they want to give Hightower a chance. I think they, and it's, again, my opinion, last stand for J.J. Arcega-Whiteside to my. prove that he wasn't a wasted second-round pick. New coaching staff, head coach who is a wide receiver-type expert, I think they want to give him another shot at potentially grabbing a spot. I think they want to find out that five-game run that Fulgham had last year, was it a an optical illusion or is he that good a player? You bring in Julio Jones, add him to Devonta Smith, who you took as high as you did in the first round, slam the door shut. Everybody else is playing for one position. I want Julio Jones on the field like 100% of the offensive snaps. I want Devonta Smith on the field 100% of the offensive snaps. That leaves crumbs for everybody else. I, I, I think that it's always nice that Howie Roseman... Well, you know, Jody, real quick, you know what I think. Julio's an FU player. I don't give a crap about everybody else. Uh, I mean, if you're able to get him, you get him. I, first ballot Hall of Famer. Best ex-receiver in football. Still playing at that high level. He's different. I don't care about any other name you mentioned with the exception of 
of Devontae Smith, who's going to play anyway. So, but, I mean, you don't have to worry about it. You know, Vegas, I just pulled up the lines. Baltimore, it's, it goes Baltimore, San Francisco, New England, the Chargers, Titans, Colts, Packers, then the Eagles, who are 10 to 1, and the Eagles. Everybody puts <laughs> and the Eagles. Uh, let me ask you a question about something you just said. What do you consider Devonta Adams? He's an FU player. Well, no, position-wise. Oh, position-wise, he can play X or Z. He Excellent. can play. He okay. can play. I don't uh, want him. He can play the slot as well. When you get up, uh, but I don't want him in the slot. When you get up those types of receivers, top 10 level receivers, you generally move them all around. You generally take advantage of whatever matchup you can have. Julio plays uh, Z as well at times. Uh, you know, the Falcons have Calvin Ridley. He's a great slot receiver, great Z receiver. The good receivers, Nick Sirianni's right. You move them all around. The problem is if the other guys move around and they're not good at the other positions, then you have a problem, and then you have to kind of default to where, in other words, you have to take into account where they play poorly because you can't put them there, and that means you have to put the good receiver in the position that they can't play, if that makes sense. I understand where you're coming from. Um do you consider DeAndre Hopkins one of those receivers? He's an X, he's a Y, he's a Z, whatever the hell you yeah. want him to be, he's that good. Mainly an X, but yeah, he can. he's that good. Gotcha. All right, that's why uh, you said Julio Jones, best X receiver in the National Football League. I disagree. I think Devonta Adams well, you can, and DeAndre you can, Hopkins has surpassed, have both surpassed Julio Jones. I, you uh, could argue DeAndre. I don't think Devonta. Devonta's a great route runner. Maybe it's not fair, uh, but I do think Aaron Rodgers tends to elevate people. Julio Jones is just a monster. I mean, a monster. Nobody can stop him. Um, this is one of the great receivers of all time. He is the most physically impressive receiver since Calvin Johnson. Wow, that's saying a lot. I'm a, I'm a Julio fan too, but apparently not as big as you because – uh, and again, who uh, physically impressive is very important. If you've got it as something in your tool bag, you certainly want to take advantage of it and use it. I'll judge just how do you make plays. I don't care how big. Well, you I mean, who's made more plays, Jody? I'm going to look up Julio. I, I, I'm guessing. Last uh, two years, I would suggest DeAndre Hopkins numbers were better than Julio Jones. Five-time All-Pro Julio Jones, five-time, uh, two-time receiving yards leader. Um, yeah, I mean, five, when you get up into the five-time All-Pro conversation, the one thing I will say, and it's fair, considering how big and physical he is, he, he hasn't done a lot historically in the red zone, which is weird to me. So I don't know if that's a Falcons problem. I don't know what that is, but I, I will admit that part of it's weird because he should be the most dominant red zone receiver in football, and he hasn't been. Right, and as physically gifted as he is, as you described him, and I think it's a very accurate, accurate description. I'm not going to argue that with you. It's funny because everyone's got their own perspective. My perspective of Julio Jones, more than anything else, 
was fourth down in well, Philadelphia. Yeah, I mean, Philadelphia. 2017, got his hands on the ball. If he makes that catch, we're not talking about the Super Bowl champion, Philadelphia Eagles. They get derailed before yeah. that Super Bowl ever <laughs> starts to run. And yeah. I think now that we're – this is going on four years now that we're removed from that – that becomes more and more forgotten with every passing year that Julio Jones actually had his hands on the ball in the end zone under a minute to go. He catches it. The Falcons take the lead. And we're not talking about Nick Foles running up the score against Minnesota the week thereafter. And then out dueling Tom Brady in the Super yeah. Bowl well, two weeks yeah. after that. Uh, they so lose you should the be Atlanta happy. Falcons. Well, here's my uh, takeaway from Julio Jones for a team that we talked about with Jimmy Kemsky hasn't had a 600-yard receiver in two years. So you go, okay, Jody, you go 2014 to 2019, 1,593 receiving yards, 1,871 receiving yards, 1,409, 1,444, 1,677, 1,394. That is an FU player. Yeah, he's a little bit better than what the Eagles have had at wide receiver. I don't think anyone in his right mind would attempt to argue that. Um, but, yeah, you got to keep an eye on those touchdowns because he hasn't been as prolific a touchdown guy. Yeah, that's um, weird. I can't explain that. I'll be honest. I'm a D-hop guy. I think DeAndre Hopkins is the most talented wide receiver in the league. Um, and I think Devonta Adams, and you're right, the whole thing you got to de decide about Adams uh, which comes, comes first, the chicken or the egg? Is he as good as his numbers say he is because of Aaron Rodgers? Or does he help elevate Aaron Rodgers no, and make no. Aaron Rodgers? No, I don't think it is a chicken and the egg. I love Devontae Adams. I think he's a great player. But I don't think anybody elevates Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers elevates everybody else. More likely, but uh, we'll see if Rodgers uh, decides to relocate this offseason. And, oh, by the way, did you catch him on SportsCenter last night? I did. Well, I saw the clips, not live. But yeah, I saw ne the clips. Ne neither did I. I saw the clips thereafter. Um, he comes on, white T-shirt. I don't even know if it was white. Actually, may have needed to be washed. It certainly needed to be pressed because the neck was uh, plunging badly. The <laughs> hair just hair stole yeah, I think it, he's in Hawaii. I think he's in Hawaii. He's in Hawaii Some for vacation. a friend's wedding. Talk about just kicking back, chilling, and relaxing. But he allows them to bring a camera into, I guess, his hotel room uh, just to be able to hop on and chat with Kenny Maine, who was doing his last ever Sports Center. By the way, good time. job, ESPN, with Kenny Maine. You know, Kenny Maine's so talented, he gets Aaron Rodgers to drop any pretense. And by the way, the ending was awesome. Did you see the ending? What are you referring to? Uh, Kenny Maine ended the interview. He said, uh, basically making a joke. Anybody who knows Kenny Maine does. He said, Aaron, you, you recommended cryptocurrency. I listened to you. I'm down 40%. I lost my job. My daughter wants, all my daughter wants is a comforter. F you. And he walked off. <laughs> Great for Kenny Maine. Uh, a quick Kenny Maine story. And then we got to bring Matt Verderam, a fan sided on here. I worked for, when I worked for ESPN uh, years ago, ESPN radio, um, they asked me, I wasn't working for ESPN at the time. 
they asked me to freelance cover the Kentucky Derby. I was part of the Kentucky Derby broadcast. I don't know if it was the year. I think it was the year Musburger was the host. In the booth was myself, Jerry Bailey, Hall of Fame jockey, one of the greatest of all time, who still does uh, all the TV work on NBC now, and they have the Triple Crown coverage. But Jerry was in the radio booth with us for ESPN that year. And yours truly, as the wagering analyst, and did it for uh, two years, had a great time doing it. Kenny was there for Sports Center, and they had the ESPN crew, television and radio, in the same hotel. So we stayed not far from the track, and I didn't have a rent-a-car. They said uh, we'd double it up on rent-a-cars, blah, blah, blah. So you could walk to the track from where our hotel was, and that's what I was planning on doing. I did it on Friday. I walked over. I walked back. On Saturday, day of the Kentucky Derby, I was walking out of the hotel and I was ready to walk back over. To, and somebody comes walking up behind me and just taps me on the shoulder. He goes, what do you think? You're walking? Get the hell over here. Get in my car. And I knew Kenny to say hi, but we weren't like buds or anything. But he pulls me into his car. He says, I got to pass. I'm parking right in front. You're not walking. Get in the car with me. And we did. We drove. We talked about the race. We talked about this, that, and the other thing. And like I said, it was walking distance, so it should have been a two-minute ride. But you have to go through security and everything else. So it took us a solid 15 to 20 minutes just to get to the parking spot Kenny was in. It was maybe the best 15 minutes of that weekend, other than a couple of races where I cashed big tickets. But just the most regular guy, down-to-earth guy, great sense of humor. I agree with you. Shame on ESPN. He will be missed. Yeah. Uh, they kind of screwed that up. But my question was going to be, and again, we got to get Matt Verderam up here. Aaron Rodgers, more purposeful than he hopped on to try and get a spin out there? Or do you think he was just being a good guy, cool guy, likes Kenny Mayne, knows Kenny Mayne, wanted to do a solid hop on his last ever sport? Well, I think he likes Kenny Mayne, loves him, wanted to do him a solid, but also he was trying to get something accomplished. I mean, Aaron's always got an angle. So I think it's part of both. But yeah, I mean, he said it's about people. I mean, come on. These guys are insane that they think people are buying this. I mean, he hates the GM. He hates the organization. And he's trying to spin. Oh, I love Jordan Love. Come on, dude. Come on. You are buying that, huh? No. He loves a all. kid. I think he called him a kid, as a matter of fact, which yeah. he can do. He's been around long enough that Aaron Rodgers can get yeah. away with that. And by the way, he might like him, but he didn't like that they picked him. He's still smarting about that one. He yeah. is John McMullen. I am Jody McDonald. We are the Mac and Mac guys. This is Birds 365. That's certainly a topic we're going to bring up with Matt Verderam, a fan-sided uh, national NFL columnist. He's scheduled to join us next here on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. 
IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The future waits for no one, so we refuse to wait for it. We're not just pilots and engineers. We are pioneers. Today, battles are waged in nanoseconds. And planes are piloted from the other side of the world. We turn night into day and fly missions in space. The future's not coming. It's already here. This is the future. Join us and be the future. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Tuesday edition of Birds 365 with the McNamara guys, John McMullen, Jody McDonald. Yes, a lot of bird conversation, but also taking a look at the National Football League. We'll can't combine both of those things with our next guest. He's become a fairly regular guest on my CBS Sports Radio show. Does a great job whenever he hops on. I thought he'd give us a good perspective today on the birds from a national perspective and also talk some things in the NFL. Matt Berteram from fansided.com. Good enough to hop aboard with us for a couple of minutes. How are you, Matty? Doing good. How are you guys? Good. Appreciate you coming on board. Right before you joined us, uh, John and I were talking about Aaron Rodgers and his appearance last night on SportsCenter. I, I know the answer is a combination. That's what John just told me, and he's uh, 99% right. But lean one way more or the other. Aaron Rodgers just being a good dude and a good friend and throwing a solid to Kenny Mayne hopping on his last sports center or Aaron Rodgers had a reason to go on sports center that he wanted to get a narrative out there about his situation with the Packers, which of the two was more the motivation for him being on sports center last night. Oh, I, I think, I think both, but certainly the latter, right? Like, I mean, yes, sure. Likes Kenny Mayne last show, all that fine. Fair enough. But the reality is he was more than happy to go on there and give a pretty good answer as to what's going on in Green Bay. He, you know, if he didn't want to say anything there, he could have sidestepped that. And <laughs> while he was pretty deft in the way he answered it, he also made it pretty clear, look, this is about the front office. This is about the Packers believing that they can pretty much plug and play somebody and it's going to work out as long as they go with the Packer way. And, of course, he doesn't believe that. And I don't blame him for not believing that. 
And I also don't blame the Packers who look at this thing and say, look, we've been really good for 30 years. It's not just you. Now, the reality is it's it's largely driven by him and by Brett Favre over that time. You know, if they, if they had a, a lesser quarterback there, it wouldn't matter who was around them. But Rodgers has had some great teammates over the years. That team that won the Super Bowl was a great team. And I just think Rodgers, look, I get the frustration, but I also think he should give credit to that organization, especially Mark Murphy, who's been there his entire career, for putting quite a bit around him over his 15-plus years in Green Bay. It's about the people, man. That's what Aaron said. But obviously the culture, and look, he doesn't like the general manager. As you mentioned, Mark Murphy, the Packers have always been – you know, the GM picks the players, the, the the coach coaches the players, the players play. I mean, that's the, the Packers are the most clearly defined personnel team in this league. And I agree with you in the fact that, look, Aaron wanted a receiver last year. He elevates receivers. They have put a great offensive line in front of them over the years. David Bakhtiari may have been a mid-round pick, but they've developed him. When you look at Aaron saying maybe you haven't done the best things, do you think that's fair to say for the Packers as a whole? You know, I really don't. And I've heard the conversation about, well, they haven't used a first-round pick on an offensive player other than Jordan Love in the last decade. And and I, I get that. But they haven't had to. Like a lot of the years he's been there, as you mentioned, they've used mid and late round picks very, very wisely. I mean, Devontae Adams may not have been a first round pick, but he was a hell of a pick. He plays mm-hmm. like a first round pick. Yeah. Right? Like all those years with Donald Driver and Jordy Nelson and Greg Jennings and Jermichael Finley, right? And the host of running backs they've had. I don't care if they're not first round picks. Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill aren't first round picks. I don't think Mahomes was too worried about where they got drafted. Right? Yeah. It works. So. Yeah. I don't get into it. So, you know, George Kittle wasn't a first-round pick, but it worked out okay. You know, I, I, I think in the end, are are they or are they not good players? Is he surround? I, I think the bigger gripe he might have, and I would agree with him, is that the coaching has not been great up until Lafleur got there. I mean, they, look, McCarthy in the beginning, it worked very well. They win the Super Bowl, the fifteen and one the following year. That thing got stale, and it was stale for a long time. Okay, and then McCarthy goes to Dallas, and you see that okay, maybe it was stale for a reason. I get that argument. I don't get the argument that he hasn't had talent. They've been to the NFC Championship game a ton. They haven't won it. But you get to the NFC Championship game that often, you're pretty talented. Like, it's not just Aaron Rodgers there. and It just hasn't gone the way in those games that he wishes it would. Fair enough. But he's also had a hand in a couple of those. And the most recent uh, example of doesn't matter where you're drafted – who the hell was Robert Tunyon? All of yeah. a sudden, he's playing on a Pro Bowl level, a tight end for the Packers last year. Where the hell did he come from? Doesn't matter that he wasn't a first-round pick. I agree wholeheartedly with you on that one, Matt. Um, all right, so is there any mending of the fences? Is too much bad blood got under this bridge? Can they resurrect the relationship between these two parties? Or is it a foregone conclusion that Aaron Rodgers will not play for the Packers again Will he play for somebody else, or will he just be the full-time host of Jeopardy? I think in his head, he's gone, but I, it doesn't really matter what is in his head because they have to trade him. And I, I've made this point maybe even on your show, Jody. I, I'm not sure, but I, look, they don't have an owner. They're a very unique franchise. 
And a lot of franchises have that owner who's maybe in the GM's year, team president's year, saying, hey, look, we got to move on. It's a bad situation. Mark Murphy is a football guy. He played in the NFL for a long time. He's, he's a football guy. Yep. Brian Gutekunst is a football guy. They don't care about the PR side of it like a lot of teams would with their ownership groups. And, by the way, they're in Green Bay, Wisconsin, which for anyone who hasn't been there okay, is a very, very small town with nothing else going on. Those fans are going to side with the team every single time. Okay, Brett Favre <laughs> came back to Lambeau and got booed. Like they're going to, they're going to side. So the Packers have no real motivation to trade him. You're even if you get back a big haul of draft picks. So what? You'll get that big haul of draft picks in February. Like it, it's not. There's no. There's no huge reason. If you're Rodgers, you want to try to use your leverage and hold out. You can. You're going to get fined. You're going to lose money. If, if you want to really go nuclear and retire, you have to give back $23 million worth of signing bonus. And then, by the way, you lose the $100 million left on your contract. Like, I To me, there is no way that's happening. So I look at this thing and see, I think he's really serious about being very angry there, but I don't think they're going to trade him. I really don't. I think they're going to dig their heels in and say, look, if you're going to play in 2021, you're going to play here. And he may, he may pout and, and stomp his feet, but I think he's going to play there. Matt, in a larger perspective, you look around the league. It's not just Aaron Rodgers. It was Russell Wilson, Seattle, Deshaun Watson, Houston. Right. Quarterbacks getting involved in in personnel decisions or wanting to be involved or wanting to be uh, uh, in the process. Uh, Is that a good thing? Where did it start? I criticize coaches that want to be involved in personnel. There's not enough time in the day. I mean, you, at some point, you have to delegate. You have to trust the people around you. Good organizations have that set up. The Packers have been a good organization for a lot of years. Seattle has, not Houston. So every situation is different. But where where does this come from? Is this just a modern sort of athlete thinking that they should be involved in all pieces of the pie, so to speak? Yeah, I, I think a lot of it comes – I mean, look, the, the player empowerment side of things has really started in the NBA and, and, and it's taken root in the NBA. And I think you're starting to see a little bit of this in the NFL, but the reality is the NFL is a whole different animal. The NFL, a lot of these guys have non-guaranteed contracts once you get into the back half of the deals. The quarterbacks are the one position where those guys are going to have some power and influence in the, in the, in the front office because of how important they are, right? Like I remember um, – it was a year ago. Uh, Chiefs flat out said they, you know, they didn't like Clyde Edwards-Alaire. But a big part of the reason they took him was Mahomes wanted him. But that was that was a big reason that they took Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Uh, now maybe they would have taken him regardless, but with Mahomes signing off, they did it. I think, you know, you're going to see more and more of that. However, I do think every situation is different. Like Deshaun Watson now, before all the legal stuff that has become uh, ugly and, and very importantly public and, and front and center, look. I get why he wanted out of there. That franchise is a dumpster fire. Like, I totally understand why Deshaun Watson was like, look, I'm not going to get beat to hell behind this offensive line and win three games a year. I have no interest in doing that. If you're going to go down that route, trade me. However, with a guy like Russell Wilson, like, what is the complaint? I, I, I mean, yeah. yeah, I get it. Like, The offensive line hasn't been very good. If you want to say, hey, get me help on the offensive line, I'll hear that. I'll hear that argument. That's fine. 
you've been really good every year of your career. Like you've been in the playoffs every single year, and it's not just him in that situation. They've had a very good defense most of his career. They've run the ball effectively most of his career. And then with Rodgers, obviously, we just talked about it. I do think quarterbacks, because of the salary they're paid and their importance in every single play of the game, they're going to have a say. But do you want your quarterback making personnel decisions? No, you don't. That's why you have an entire personnel department. I think most teams are going to kindly tell the quarterback that. Maddie, it's not just quarterbacks. It's wide receivers, too. And that's been a big story in the league for the last 48, 72 hours. Julio Jones and where he's going to be dealt, if he's going to be dealt. Uh, first things first, to help uh, end a uh, slight disagreement John and I have. I'll give you three wide receivers. I'll put them in order alphabetically. Then you tell me the order that you would rank them going into the 2021 season. Devonta Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones. What order would you put them projecting to the upcoming season 2021? Uh, Devonta Adams, uh, probably Hopkins and Jones. And Jones only third because he was hurt last year and he's older. Agreed. That's the exact. Well, I, I would put Hopkins one. And I think uh, Johnny Mack would put Julio Jones one. You put Devontae one. Wow, yeah. Well, well, well. You didn't say in 20. Uh, Julio's coming off an injury, as Matt said. I said Julio has been the best X receiver in football. Now, the, the red zone issues concern me uh, over the years. But his performance, five-time All-Pro, I gave you, you know, the, the numbers historic. This is a first ballot Hall of Famer. I don't think those guys have reached this level as a whole. Now, at 32, coming off the injury, you're saying, who's going to be best next Sunday? I might have a different answer. If he's healthy, though, he can still perform at that level. That's where I am with Julio. Gotcha. Uh, the difference is, was and is. I think you said he is the best wide receiver, well, which he, is different than he, he was be. the best wide he receiver. Could be. He could be. Uh, fair enough. We're splitting, splitting hairs. <laughs> splitting hairs. Uh, Matty, uh, how is this going to shake out? Julio goes on a national television show yesterday. He says, I'm out of here uh, to Shannon Sharp on the air about Atlanta. He might not be going to the Dallas Cowboys. We here in Philadelphia would love to see him be added to the Eagles. Just doesn't add up. Doesn't make sense. How's this going to play out in Atlanta? And I do think he'll be traded. And I, I, I'd love to know, did he know he was live on air? When he yeah. said all that, yeah. That, yeah. that was very interesting. Yeah. Um, but, no, listen, I think he's going to get traded. That seems to be the worst-kept secret in football the last couple of months. If that has been a marriage, it's about to end. If you're the Falcons, it's kind of an odd time to end it. Like, you just drafted Kyle Pitts. Your whole hope of getting back to the playoffs is your offense because that defense isn't driving the bus. So, you know, that that's a little bit odd. But they've been in cap hell for years. And it's one thing to be in cap hell. It's another thing to be in cap hell and be terrible, right? Like, and I, I know you guys in Philadelphia have had some cap issues over the recent past, and, and that's fine when you're going to the playoffs and you're you're right in the mix every year. It's not so fine when you're winning four games. Yeah. And, and so Falcons now dealing with that. Look, I will say this: if I'm GM Terry Fontenot, who's a first-year GM, first real big trade he might be making here, I, I don't know that you can trade him for anything less. Then you've got to be thinking it's going to be a top 50 pick. Like, I've seen all this. Well, they're going to get a second round pick. That seems to be the idea. Okay. I, I, I'll hear that. 
it better be an early second round pick. Like if you trade him to a contending team, if you trade him just for an example to the Bills, then that's got to be a first round pick. Like that, that can't be a second round pick. It might as well be a third round pick. Mm-hmm. So you know, I, I think that stuff all comes into play. Who's going to be interested? There's going to be a lot of teams that are kicking the tires on Julio Jones. Like if you're, if, to stick with the analogy, if you're Buffalo and you think New England might try to get him. Do you just say, hey, look, you know what? He's worth a second rounder. We can get him for a second rounder. For no other reason, yeah, it upgrades our team. It keeps him away from New England. Um, you know, I, I think you know, you look around, you mentioned it. Like, does he fit with the Eagles, you know, for a variety of reasons? Maybe not, but I'll tell you what, they could use him in that receiver room. I mean, he'd he'd be and they got the they got the picks, although I don't think they're gonna like you said, I don't think it makes a lot of sense for them in the moment they're in. But I there's gonna be a ton of interest. I do think he'll get traded. Um and I'm sure if Atlanta can get into the AFC, they will. If I were the Chargers, I would be all over it. You've got Keenan Allen. You've got Mike Williams. You've got Justin Herbert. Like that, if you're going to beat Kansas City out, you better load up. And I would I would be very intrigued by Julio Jones in, in L.A. Matt, you mentioned the timing. That's what interested me with Atlanta. They know this has been going on. Why? Why? Why the dragging of the feet? Everybody's already budgeted. There's a lot of teams that have salary cap issues at this point, can't afford Julio Jones. So that, in theory, limits your potential pool of moving him. If you go all the way back to the draft, you make your decision and say, okay, we're going to go with Matt Ryan. We're going to go quarterbacks can play at a high level later in their careers. So why not fix things? Because the strength of your team is Julio Jones, Kyle Pitts, Calvin Ridley, you're going to outscore people. The timing of this is what uh, I I struggle with. So I think I think it's pretty much for one reason and one reason only, and that's because they have to trade him post June one. Yeah. Because otherwise, but, the financial side of look, if they if they were to go out and they were going to trade Julio Jones before June first, okay, the, I, I just pulled out in front of me, they'd be eating twenty three point two million in dead money. They would not save a dime. Okay. Right. However, if they trade him post June first, they eat seven point seven million this year, but they save fifteen million. So they they drag their feet simply because they had to from a financial standpoint. Now you're right though; it limits what they what they can do and what they can get back. Like they're, you're you're waiting a full year for those draft picks to mature, and a lot of teams don't have the money. Like the Giants, for example, maybe the Giants would have been in. Well, they they signed Kenny Galladay. Like you're not, you're not also going to go out and get Julio Jones. So you're right. There are some teams, you know, that, that stay in that same stadium. The Jets, like the Jets went out and got Corey Davis. Maybe it's a lot harder now to get Julio Jones. Um, I would have thought the Patriots, after spending half a billion dollars or a quarter of a billion dollars, would not have been in. But now, apparently, maybe so. Um, yeah, there are, it, it is limited, and it is going to hurt what they can get back. But they put themselves into cap jail with, with all the money they've spent. Um, and now that they have to do it post you one. And when you're forced into that situation, that makes it tougher to go back quickly. The Aaron Rodgers, I think that that also complicates things like he's they could not trade him until after June 1st. Like maybe if they could have traded him in March. They would have done it. They couldn't. So, you know, the finances play a part in this. I think that's why it took so long here at Jones. Maddie, uh, this week in the National Football League here in Philadelphia and the other 31 towns. <laughs> Teams are doing voluntary workouts. And when you talk about the whole negotiation between 
the Players Association, and the teams. I want to cut to the chase. How is it going to impact the upcoming season? Will we have better play? Will we have lesser play? It is what it is. They're not exactly tackling this week. It's more drills and exercises and stretching than anything else. But it's not vertical. They are actually showing up and they're getting big numbers in camp. Is it going to make for better play in the 2021 season or still just lesser play because they've had to negotiate this out and keep the actual accomplishments kind of under wraps? See, like, I, I don't think it's going to matter at all. They got OTAs to me, all this voluntary OTA stuff, mini camps. It, it's all just look. It was all put in play originally to make sure guys didn't show up 30 pounds overweight to camp. That's really what it's there for. And it's there for teams like the Eagles this year who have a first-year head coach, who have a young quarterback, who they can get every second they need to try to install things and get accustomed to each other before training camp. A lot of these things, if you're the Baltimore Ravens, like you, you don't need OTAs. You just don't. If you could show up in August and it's fine, right? Like I, I firmly believe that. I think rookie minicamp is, is good. It helps these guys to get acclimated. That all said – I don't want to hear a word out of the players about the fact that the voluntary mini camps are a pain for them. Hey, look, you negotiated a CBA last year. Okay, mm-hmm. you're not at the end of a CBA. You're at the beginning of a decade-long CBA. I was in Indianapolis asking a ton of people about the CBA a year ago, right as it was getting ratified. And you know what? They all signed off on it, or at least they had the majority sign off on it. Okay, and a lot of guys didn't even vote. So if you want to complain about it. You should take it up with Demora Smith, and you should take it up with the heads of your players' union because you all signed off on this. Like, guy, by the way, if they didn't want this, the owners wouldn't have fought them on this. They wouldn't have cared. It's all yeah. the owners might have wanted a little bit of some concession back in some other way, just because that's the way negotiating works. But they wouldn't have fought hard on on voluntary OTAs. It was fine. These guys are running around in helmets and shorts, so it's it's not a big deal. And the teams that aren't going to show up are the teams that don't have big workout bonuses. Okay, any team like Green Bay that has a big workout bonus attached to their their contract, they're all going to show up. It's an easy fifty grand, except Aaron. But (laughs) five hundred, yeah. But um, it's interesting. You mentioned Baltimore. I agree with you. Veteran teams not important. It's ironic, John Harbaugh. Nobody's been fined more over the years for for tweaking things that. OTAs than John Harbaugh. But uh, I I do want to bring you back to Philadelphia, Matt. And, you know, Peter King said yesterday, I thought it was interesting. The biggest surprise in the NFL isn't over the last year, wasn't Tom Brady at 43 leading the Bucs to a Super Bowl. It's that Doug Peterson, Carson Wentz are out in Philadelphia. Just, you know, we're used to it now. From a national perspective, how crazy is that? to rewind a year and say, these guys are out of here. Surprising. Very surprising. I grew up not that far from Philly. I grew up in New York, so I, I'm used to the, the big city and, and, and how quickly things can turn around. But that being said, the Eagles had never won a Super Bowl. And they won large. I get Wentz was hurt in the end there. But, I mean, largely they won that Super Bowl because of Wentz. And then Peterson really had some of the gutsier calls you'll ever see in a Super Bowl, and they worked out. It all came up aces. A handful of years later, everybody's gone. Now, look, as that year unfolded, Wentz was 
atrocious. I mean, they they had no choice, I think, but to go to Jalen Hurts. And I thought it was unfair of Wentz to be, you know, maybe through back channels, but so publicly upset about the fact he got benched. Well, he deserved to be benched. They gave him a lot of rope last year, a lot of rope. And he, he could do nothing with it. I was more surprised that Peterson's gone. But it seems like that organization from the top down has had a lot of issues for a long time now. And, and look, Jeffrey Lurie has been a good owner for that franchise, given them a lot of stability over the years. They've won a lot with Jeffrey and Lurie being there. Um, Howie Roseman has done some very good things there. He's done some things there that have made a lot of people you know, question his decision-making. But it seemed like it just wasn't working out. And that story in The Athletic, I thought, was very well reported. They did a great job kind of detailing all the issues that are going on. I think the Eagles with Sirianni here going forward, they're going to have to streamline this approach. Um, But it was very surprising. It felt like everything kind of came to a head in that Week 17 game where the Eagles, did did they tank? Did they not tank? I mean, it seemed like that really was just the impetus for, for Peterson being gone. Was that the truth? I don't know. I don't know that anybody truly knows, but it seemed as though that game changed a lot of things, even though really for the Eagles, it changed nothing other than a little bit of draft position. Maddie, so give us the national perspective. John and I here every single day, uh, we're inundated with information and opinion about Jalen Hurts, the new quarterback. No one believes that the Eagles are targeting him as their quarterback for the next five years. If it plays out that way, so be it. But as of this moment, that's not necessarily in the plans, but they're going to give him the shot. Is he going to be good enough to hold it? Is he going to be good enough to become a top half of the NFL quarterback? Can he become a top 10 NFL quarterback? Off what you saw last year, what you thought of him at both Alabama and Oklahoma, what kind of quarterback is Jalen Hurts going to be in his NFL career? I usually trend negative on these things, but I actually think he's going to be pretty good. I really do. And the reason is is, is multi-layered, but I'll, I'll say quickly, look, I think it, it mattered to me that at Alabama, he ends up getting benched for Tua. And he didn't just pout and sulk. He was a really good teammate by all counts. He went to Oklahoma and played really well. I also think it matters. He played under Lincoln Riley, who a lot of people think will be an NFL head coach. And he played under Nick Saban, who is the basic uh, godfather of, of college football coaching for the, uh, the modern day coach. So he played at two huge programs. He didn't knuckle under when things didn't go well. That's going to matter in Philly. Because things are occasionally not going to go well. And when they don't go well in Philadelphia, you better be able to take it. So he's proven he can take it. Like Tuscaloosa, if there's a if there's a college program that gets as much attention as a, as a national football team, it's them. He dealt with it in a very, very public way getting benched in the national title game. I also thought talent-wise, look, I do believe that you need to have a quarterback these days with some mobility to him. It's just unless you're Tom Brady. Like, it, it helps. It matters. It's just the way the game's going. Not that you have to run for a 1,000 yards, but you have to be able to get out of the pocket, make some plays. He can do that. He's got a really good arm. I thought he was thrust in a tough situation last year. And let's face it, with a team that was decimated, not a lot of receiving weapons. Now he gets Devonta Smith. Okay, Zach Ertz is back healthy. Will he get traded? Maybe. But for right now, he's there. They have Dallas Goddard as well. Like, and a good offensive line. So I, I look at them and say – Look, do I think the Eagles are going to win the Super Bowl? No. Do I think, though, that if Sirianni's a good head coach, that that, that marriage could work? I do. I like, that, I like what they're doing because they're giving Hurts the year. If it doesn't work out, you've got at least a couple of first-round picks. You can go out, you can get the quarterback of the future. If he does work out, 
then great. And you'll load it up with picks. So I, I think, and by the way, the Giants are the exact same thing. So I, I think both those teams did very smart things this offseason. They're giving their guy run. And if it doesn't work out, they're well positioned to make it work out going forward with either another quarterback or again, if it, if it does go well, then they can add in a lot of weapons and, and get the team better quickly. He delivered as promised. Matt Verderam, one of my favorite uh, national football writers. Matt, appreciate you coming out with us. We will tap into your services again down the road. Before you know it, they'll actually have mandatory camps opening up. We'll get you back when they uh, actually put some pads on. Thanks for helping us out today. Hey, no problem, guys. Thanks for having me. Matt Verderam from Fansided.com, uh, outstanding national football writer. John McMone, Jody McDonald, coming back. We still got oh, a couple minutes left to go. Need to put a bow on the show. Keep it right here on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The future waits for no one, so we refuse to wait for it. We're not just pilots and engineers. We are pioneers. Today, battles are waged in nanoseconds. And planes are piloted from the other side of the world. We turn night into day and fly missions in space. The future's not coming. It's already here. This is the future. Join us and be the future. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Coming back, ready to rack here on Hard Street 65. Jody McDonald, John McMullen here with you. Johnny Mac, before I ask you how your day is going to play out, 
I do want to touch on one thing that we brought up on yesterday's show that I checked out and uh, was ready to give you more information. Because you asked me a question yesterday. I didn't have the answer off the top of my tongue, uh, too, but uh, I tried to do a little research. Went on NFL.com gift shop yesterday or pro shop, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> uh, via the Internet. Uh, to check on jerseys, because you asked me yesterday, what does a real authentic jersey go for these days? And I said, could be upwards of 200. You thought 100 and change. Um, as a matter of fact, at a 20% discount, they got a sale going on at NFL.com wow. right now. 20% discount down to $119.99, which means if you add 20% back on the back end, it basically $150 for a uh, new authentic jersey, but they're selling for $120 right now. Uh, the NFL puts them in a specific order, and I'm assuming that it is the hottest selling jersey over whatever period of time they use. Could be a day, could be a week, could be two weeks. Um, off the top of your head, see if you can pick off for me. Oh, by the way, did you go to NFL.com yesterday and look this up? I did not. That's no. good. That's no. that's good. That, that, that I could ask this question this way. No. Uh, the number one selling jersey, as per the NFL.com, uh, over the last couple of days would be who, what? Uh, Tim Tebow. I Tim Tebow is, yeah. is number 85, is number one. The second uh, hottest selling jersey is who? I'm going to go Brady. Brady came in at number six. Not okay. bad, not a bad guess, uh, but he was right. number six. And I'm gonna, so, I'm gonna go Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence came in at number seven. Not a bad oh. guess, but not correct. Uh, well, I'm going rookies. I'm going New Jersey. So I'm trying to think of free agent shifting teams. Uh, New York. I got to go Zach Wilson. He's got to be top ten, right? Zach Wilson was in the top ten somewhere down at around ten, as a matter of fact. Um. Justin Fields, Chicago, big market. Justin Fields of Chicago's white jersey was the number two selling jersey in the NFL, trailing only Tim Tebow. Um, then I'm going to go, I don't think Lance would be there. I'm going to go Mahomes, I guess, superstar. Mahomes, nowhere to be found. No, really? Wow. No. That surprises me. Um. I don't know. Who Top five, think a little closer to home. Devonta? Devonta Smith, number five, right now, selling jersey in the National Football I'm surprised League. we gave away so many. I'm surprised people have to buy them. Yeah, despite the fact that we gave them away, people are still purchasing them. Uh, um, but I, I saw this, and I, I just thought it was phenomenal, because you know how big a fan I am. Uh, Tebow won. Devonta was five. Brady was six. Oh, Brady Red, six. Brady White, seven. Uh, Lawrence, eight. Number one, Tebow. Number two, Fields in white. Number three, Fields in Chicago, black. Yeah. His white jersey is number two. His black jersey is number three. Number four, Fields in orange. Wow. The orange wow. jersey that the Bears wear from time to time. So Justin Fields has got the number two the way, selling Jody. jersey, number three selling jersey, and number four selling jersey in the National Football League right now. By the way, there could have been a green jersey for Justin Fields, technically. There it could have been. 
There could have been if the Eagles wanted that. A green jersey was at number five, and it says Smith on the back. So Eagle fans are buying into Devontae Smith. More power to them. Both John and I are fans. You know how big a fan I was. But we're also fans of Justin Fields, and we are wondering, five years from now, six years from now, are we going to look back and go, you know, Justin Fields was on the board at number 10 when they took Devonta Smith when the Eagles are floundering under uh, whatever quarterback. They should I hope pick. I hope for the Eagles' sake that the Bears' history with quarterbacks continues to play out. It is not a promising history, but I think Justin Fields can overcome that. And I think Bear fans have shown that they believe yeah. that's going to be the case. Now, it could just be cockeyed. I, I bet you, I can't prove this, but I bet you, Mitchell Trubisky was a top-selling jersey yeah. when he was picked at number we have two. To, we have to do some serious research to no. figure that out, but you you are probably right about that because they are diehard fans of their Bears in Chicago, and they're willing to spend. It doesn't uh, necessarily yeah. guarantee anything as far as production. Imagine if we didn't give away all those jerseys. We probably... Oh. Devontae Smith would be two. I'm it not could, say could one. Be, it would certainly be higher, but yeah. uh, don't know if he'd pass Justin Fields' orange, black, or white jersey. Sell a lot of them in Chicago. All right, uh, where are you off to today, brother? I'm headed straight to a gathering. I'm not going to call it practice, straight to a gathering. By the way, no mask today because I'm fully vaccinated. Just Very nice. Day. Yeah, I was doing that during the show. I had to fill out the form and everything. Oh, really? Yeah. You, you, you uh, don't you have to bring your card with you? I'm multitasking. I'm multitasking. I I know you're capable of doing that. Don't you just have a card? I don't do have a card. That? I have a card, but I had to sign a and swear an affidavit that I've been oh, vaccinated. You didn't raise your hand at any point during the show. I think you should have done that. That yeah. you'd have that on tape. That That's you point. swear that you have been vaccinated. I swear it on tape right now. We try not to swear here on Birds 365, but sometimes we get a little ticked off and these things happen. Uh, You got to tune in tomorrow to see if we uh, do any swearing or get ticked off enough to get nuts. Uh, Johnny Mac's not going to do that because he's all excited about getting down on the grass over at the uh, Eagle Land Complex. Uh, We'll be back tomorrow. We have Mike Arapolo from the NFL Network scheduled to join us, and we'll uh, probably uh, fashion up another guest for you at some point. J-Max, say hello to everybody down there at the uh, Eagle Land. Appreciate the uh, job today, brother. We'll do it again tomorrow. Thanks, Shouty. Appreciate it. Well, I have stuff to talk about tomorrow. Ryan yeah. Kerrigan wearing number 90. Very nice. We'll be right here on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.